Amen. Glad you're in the house, Lord. Let's uh, read these scriptures. It's some of my favorite scriptures. Then Jesus said to them, again, verily, verily, I send to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but this for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I'm gonna, I'll kind of tell you what I'm going to do here in, in just a moment. I have a story I need to share with you today. I do not know if it's real or manufactured, but it is a story that I think will um, be relevant to where we are and what I feel like God is wanting in this church and in this area and in our lives personally. Um, there's a story of two mountain villages. I actually told this story several years ago. Some of you were probably not here, and if you're like me, you've slept since then. You probably don't remember it anyway. So, But there, the story of two mountain villages. One of these villages got its water from a mountain spring. In the summer months, when the, we the weather is dry, that spring would dwindle down until there were barely a trickle of water coming into that little village. There's just barely enough water to keep the village alive until wetter weather comes in. In the center of the other village, there is a fountain that's always flowing with seemingly endless supply of thirst-quenching, life-sustaining water. It is an artesian well that continues to gush out regardless how dry the summer months may become. The village always has an abundance of water for its own needs and for the needs of others. In these two towns, we see two kinds of Christian lives that is available to every one of us. Some born-again children of God live their life like they, like it's a dwindling, trickle, little stream that barely gives any evidence that there is a Christian life available or active in that life. Others live life in the overflow of the spiritual blessings of the redemption of God and walk with peace, joy, and power. Today, I'm going to endeavor to do something new here on Sunday mornings. I'm going to start calling our adult Sunday school class something different. We're going to call it life classes. Life classes. We're going to learn how to live life. My plan and my hope is to bring us information about a subject that will help us live life better. And then at the last part of our class, we're going to open up for questions and discussions. Awesome. Yes. I'll spend the first moments of it laying out whatever the subject is that day. And then we're going to open it up for discussions. I'm going to lay out some ground rules for the questions, comments, and our discussions, and I'll, I'll tell you about that a little bit later. And I know 
the closer we get to the end of time, we cannot, and we cannot be very long from it. There is, if you, can, if you hadn't noticed, there is, this world is a mess. I've seen one of the most disturbing headlines I've ever seen in my entire life this week. 26-year-old man is going to go to prison in this juvenile female prison because he molested a 10-year-old girl. And the reason they're going to put him in this juvenile female detention center is because he identifies as a woman. What is wrong with our world? So with that said, surely it can't be very long before Jesus comes. And the closer we get to the end, the harder it will be to live as a child of God. Unless we are living life on purpose. And that is why Sunday morning life, that's what Sunday morning life class is going to be all about. We're going to learn together how to maneuver through these crazy times. I am going to preach, like I said, for Brother Metters tonight. And he's kind of taking on this role. Um, not sure about things. And he, he's, he's been reaching out to me and asking a lot of questions. And he said, hey, I want to do some outreach. And I'm not sure how to do it. And I know that COVID has making things difficult, and we're not sure how to do it. And I basically, I said, look, I, we've done a lot of outreach. I understand that. I said, but with COVID and everything else, the time we're living in, Sister Janet, I said, it's making it challenging. And this is how I feel about living for God. It is challenging. It's challenging pastoring. It's challenging being a saint. It's challenging being a leader. And so today, this is where we're going to go with it. We're going to be talking about life 101. All right, so let, let me lay a little groundwork. We may not have as much room for the discussion with it all today, but we'll have some. But I want this to be where people's like, I can't wait to get to Sunday. Can't wait to go to life class. The Bible says, arm sharpeneth arm. It takes each other to make each other stronger. We need each other. And I want to help everyone that is a part of Harvest House learn to live a life that's overflowing with the spiritual blessings of the redeemed life. And all of us to walk in peace, to walk in joy, and walk in the power of God. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Because we don't always feel like we walk there, do we? We, always don't, we don't always feel like we're redeemed. We don't always feel like we have peace and joy and the power of God. I don't want any of us to live a life like that one that just depends on that little stream dwindling and trickling down and, and, and we barely have any evidence that the existence of Jesus is any, even in our world. But when Jesus was here on this earth, he said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And it seemed like we walk in this place that we just walk in a saved life. But we, as a child of God, abundant life will be overflowing with all the blessings of the Spirit of God. 
It's like we're living in this house and there's treasures all around us and we can't get them. I want to find that. And the devil wants to and has stolen that part of our Christian walk for so many of us. And, and so many times we walk almost defeated. And I, I'm, I'm talking from here today too that I, we should be in a place that God wants us in a place. I say should God wants us in a place that we can trust Him and be like that artesian well in our life. Our life can, should and can be in a place that literally gushes with the overflow of that living water that Jesus talked about in the book of John, chapter 7. And the Holy Ghost, that is that living water that should be in us. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, 14, He said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall, anybody know the rest of it? Never thirst. So if he has water that will keep us from thirsting, why do we thirst so much? It's because the devil is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, the water that I shall give in him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. When you think about my opening analogy today, which one of these villages are you living in? Ponder that for a second. Jesus did not save us to be inactive, dry, dull, and barely clinging to a spiritual life. He saved us to be filled with His glory, His peace, and His joy. He saved us to the overflow of spiritual abundance. Listen to Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This verse lets us know Jesus has already given us all we need to enjoy to, to, to enjoy this abundant life. But we need to learn to do is how to apply what the Lord has already given to us. How many of us has ever bought something and we know to do more? Computers are a good thing. Even phones that we like, well, this thing will do more for me than what it's doing. And we don't understand... So we need somebody to show us. I work with a lot of high-tech computer-operated machines at my place. It's a machine shop. We have what they call CNC, com Computer Enumerated Controls. And there's some of the machines that we have, Sister Janet, they do a lot more than what we use them for. And more, part of the reason is we don't know how to do it. We've, they bought machines secondhand and we've not really had the right training to really learn. Now there's other machines we've got bought new and they come in and train us and we still don't understand it all because they spend about an hour or two with us and then they walk away and then we got to figure it out on our own and a lot of times i think that's what we end up with church preachers we're bad about just preaching it and thinking oh we'll figure it out well that's not the case we need help with it right so Let's get a little bit into this introduction today. And life, if you got paper and pencil, you should start bringing paper and pencil. My hope and goal is, as we go forward, I want to have some handouts for you. And I'd like it to be even be where you know a week ahead that something's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to tell you that sometimes the Lord's going to say, you're preaching today, okay? That, that's going to happen at times. 
or we may have a special guest or whatever. But so life is what is life to you? Forrest Gump filled in the blank by saying life is like what? A box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. F. Scott Peck began his best-selling book, The Road Less Traveled, by writing life. We all identify with this and seem like it's difficult. Amen out of that. One man said life is not a dress rehearsal. You only get to live it once. That's true. And actually, it, it kind of is a dress rehearsal for the big dance, truthfully, though. And how we live this life is determined where we'll live the next. Others have described our existence of life by filling in that blank with a rat race, a bowl of cherries. Some have said amino acid. <laughs> it's a series of choices, a paycheck, the weekend, a party. But what seems like we appear that we try to reduce life in size. We seem to make life less than what it really is. Or make it what it's not. And for many, life is nothing more than time spent between birth and death. And that all life is is drudgery, drudgery of existence for us. The boring monotony of routines over and over and over. And the hope of, of having enough until we finally end this thing, right? And if that is how we feel, unfortunately, that is what life will be to us. Because truthfully, we do get out of life what we put in it. But during these life classes, um, I hope to prove that mentality to be a lie. I hope to prove to you, no matter how hard our life may be, that life has, it doesn't have to feel that way. No matter how bad your situation may be, Life does not have to be that way. If that is our thinking about life, then what Jesus said here is a lie. Would you agree? If Jesus said that we can live life and then we can have it more abundantly, then we can have life more abundantly. And the problem is our, our view of what life is about is messed up. Because life is not what we think it is. I'm convinced that every one of us shares that, that desire to know how to live life to the fullest. Amen? And, and truthfully, there's so many roads that leads life to destruction. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow path that leads to heaven. And that narrow path is where we can find pleasures, but that broad one where life is hard. People think that I can just get the right vacation, I can get this house, I can get this car, I can get this relationship, or, or this fantasy gets fulfilled, then I'll be living. If that's the case, why are there so many millionaires that kill themselves? Yep. 
Why is it you hear so many of the perfect marriages sometimes break apart and life falls apart for them? People have done these things and they still remain empty. I'll be just a little bit longer and I'll be done and we might talk, we're going to talk about some of this. Ecclesiastes 1 and 8 from the Living Bible says, No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. That's us in a nutshell, really. It takes a bigger thrill, a bigger event to bring another high to make us feel good, to make us feel like we're living life. But it never lasts. We cannot find life in a performance. Eventually, every workaholic will learn that satisfaction on one job completed. It's short-lived. It don't last long. There's a Wimbledon. I can't. Somebody help me with that word. What is the great tennis champion? I got it wrote down. I can't say it. Wimbledon. I can't get it out. I ain't going to try. There you go. He said it right. Some of these words get me. So he said, following his championship of years of chasing the championship, the grand great championship of, uh, of tennis, he said the thrill of victory lasts about 15 minutes. And the truth of the scripture says that Ecclesiastes 4 and 8 from the Good News Bible says, man is always working but never satisfied. Can't find life in a position. And we think that if we get promotions, we, we reach a certain status, we live in a certain area, then we'd be happy. And most people who have reached that position still have not found the secret of fulfilling life. Television commercials, we see them all the time. Drink this energy drink. Drink, drink this alcohol. Have this. Have that. Wear this shoe. Drive this car. Live in this house. We can't find abundant life in a can, in a bottle, in a car, in a shoe, in a place that we live, we cannot find it in those places. And this is what I hope to do in this life series or life classes or whatever. We're going to learn how to do this. Because I'm telling you right now, I know I'm living below where I need to be. And there is no pill, no drug, nothing that can make it feel like we've accomplished life. Well, Jesus said in 1010 that abundant living is only found in him. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And through the devil's giving us pictures of what fame and money and drugs... He still kills and destroys life from us. God has a different ideal. And Jesus says, I come that they have life and more abundantly. Sister Janet, I want more abundantly. You guys want more abundantly, don't you? Don't we want that? Talking to a preacher friend this week, talking... uh, And then somebody else that, that was there at this other church talking about this situation and Somebody had preached a long time and, and, and their, their explanation was, it's just, I want the people to be able to get it. 
And that's us as preachers. And sometimes we think more preaching or more whatever happens. And I think we've got to back up and realize that I can't scream it down your throat. Sometimes we have to. Or we feel like we do, I guess. But I think what's really going to come is when we, we just figure this thing out together. And we realize there's more to this than what we're doing. And I think this is what this whole pandemic has been about. The churches that are thriving through the pandemic. Because not all churches has been like ours and hit to the point where we've... What the pandemic has done, it, hit, it showed who was sincere and who's not. It exposed people's heart. But that, is that all their fault? Maybe some of it's ours for not showing them what this is really all about. Amen. But the churches that's thriving through this, there's churches that's doubled. Brother White's churches grow exponentially. Why? Because they never stop reaching. They never stop teaching and showing and telling people. Jake can set me up for failure here. It's about to die. <laughs> Well, I guess it's just coming back here. Maybe he's got his charging cord. If not, y'all have seen it for now. It's good enough. So, but these churches that's thriving are the churches who's broken into small groups. They broke into classes. They broke into a lot of things to continue to teach people how to live in the midst of chaos. This is my goal with this. And I think some keys to this living, this abundant life, You'll give me just a few more minutes. I'll lay out some ground rules for what we're going to do here. Um, but number one, I think the key is we have to do this on purpose. Okay? Purpose. If I say purpose. Purpose means the reason for which something exists or is done, made, or used. Without knowing purpose, life gets tiresome, don't it? You ever feel like sometimes, why am I going to work? Why am I going to church? Why am I praying? Why am I reading my Bible? Why do I still love that idiot? Just being real. Okay? Why don't I put him up for adoption? Corbin poured Dr. Pepper on Bethany's head and she called and said, you got to help me figure out how to put him up for adoption or something. We get frustrated in life. And when we know the purpose, and of course, she's just kidding, and she knew, no, I'm a mom, I'm going to take him here. Ecclesiastes 1, 5 through 8 from the TEV says, The sun still rises, it still goes down, the wind blows round and round and back again, every river flows into the sea. Then the water returns to where the river began, and it starts all over, everything leads to weariness, over and over and over. And without knowing our purpose, life will seem unfulfilling. We will live less than what God has designed us for. Ecclesiastes 1, 8 through 9, the Living Bible says, No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. Nothing truly is truly new. Ecclesiastes 1, 15 from the TV says, Without knowing your purpose, life will seem uncontrollable. You can't straighten out what is crooked. You can't count things that aren't there. Philippians 3, 13 uh, Let's us know that knowing our purpose in life gives us focus. He said, I'm, I'm, 
pressing towards the mark of the high calling. One, one virgin said, I'm focusing all my en energies on this one thing. This is what matters. This is my purpose. Knowing our purpose in our life will simplify our life. Because we'll realize there's a lot of things that we f fret and fuss over that just, it's not worth it. Right? Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting those things in the past, looking ahead to what's in front of us. Isaiah 26 and 3 from the TV says, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm. Knowing our purpose in life will increase our motivation in our life. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, the Living Bible says, they are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I want you to look at somebody and tell them that God has a purpose for you. And it's good. God has a purpose for you. And it's good. He's seen you in the womb. He created you. And when He did, He knew there's something good I'm going to do in that world right there. The Welch poet David White wrote, I don't want to have something... I don't want to have written on my tombstone when they finally... People struggle through the weeds, pull back the moss, and read the inscription there. He made his car payments. He said, you are designed for more than that. God has a purpose for your life until you discover his purpose and follow through, there will be a hole in your soul. And to close this part of this today, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he said, Know ye not that they which run the race run all, but one receive the prize. So run that you may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Paul's letting us know that we are in a race. We're running. And there is a prize to win. Amen. So he says, run that you can get that prize. He's saying, we've got to run on purpose to win. Paul, he continues to elaborate by telling us that there's people running a race for a temporary crown. For temporary things. And they're doing it, he said, to, to get this corruptible crown. He said, but you have an incorruptible crown. And Paul tells us to bring the body into subjection to God. And if we don't, even though we preach to others, he said, I could be a castaway. So Paul's letting us know that, there, that if we are going to live life more abundantly, it will not happen on accident. So, this is a reset year for our church. My biggest failure as pastor in the last 16 years has been teaching people how to live life by not just screaming it at them, but learning to disciple them. That is my purpose on Sunday morning. And I believe it's not going to happen by accident, by just preaching. Preaching motivates and brings people in, but teaching, learning together, is going to help us grow.
And my goal is that one of these days that I'm going to try to save all this stuff, we have some curriculum where maybe we can have a Sunday school where we're doing some preaching for visitors, but then some of you are somewhere inside of one of our other rooms in our big facility teaching somebody else this same stuff. So this is my introduction to Life 101. Uh, I don't know how long this will last, so we'll go back to that. Yes. So now, I don't know how much discussion we'll have today with this, and it may not all exactly pertain to this. But David, could you help me out? Piece of paper for everybody. Probably enough, or you have a couple if you want it. I'll just rip something out. I'll try to get some uh, actual postcards, or if you got some more paper, don't. I just want to make sure you had something to write on. Uh, now, this is the deal. I've got some things in my mind that I think we need to talk about. Okay? I got some things in my mind I think we should talk about. But here's the problem. We have two guys in here. And the rest of you women. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed it. We just don't think the same. <laughs> and in case you hadn't noticed, y'all don't think the same like the other person. We all have different opinions. We all think different. And that's why it's not just a cookie-cutter recipe for us to live. So in my mind, I know there are biblical principles that we need to teach and talk about, and we will. But also, I know in your mind, you're thinking, I don't really understand this, and I'm taking for granted you understand that. Okay? Make sense? So, before I open this up for us to say anything here today, this is some guidelines, ground rules, okay? Because if you're ever going to have discussion with things, we have to be careful with it because there's a lot of things that could happen, all right? So, number one, I want each person, as we say things, to be mindful of others. What that means is I want us to stay on the subject, whatever we're on that day. Uh, you may have something that crosses off from a little bit, and I may end up saying, let's have a whole other day for that or a whole other time. Or it could even be something that we don't even need to talk about from here. It could be something that we need to talk about in a different setting. We don't want anybody to try to take control of the floor and dominate that part of it. So be mindful in that. We don't want to make anybody else feel they are less for feelings, thoughts, and their opinions. Okay? I was always told there's no dumb question. I've questioned that, question, that statement a lot of times. But if somebody sincerely does not know something, there is no dumb question. Amen. Okay? And we should have honest, heartfelt input and not try to bring anything to the table that may bring an argument or hurt anyone in any way. So, if, if, you know somebody else may be dealing with something that you're thinking in your mind 
that would be a better situation to write down and pass it to me versus raising a hand and say, hey, what about, okay? Just put yourself in that place. Let's, let's use the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And if we're not sure about that comment, question, whatever, again, let's write it down. And here is a biggie too to keep us on track. Raise your hand. That way, we're not trying to talk over the next person, whatever, and we'll try to be mindful and uh, go with anything. So I, so I don't know how much we may have today. We don't have a whole lot of time left. It's more of an introduction thing to this. But uh, a couple things. And it could be something. You, you could, there could be some things. If you, just, if you just got some major critique from me, I'm okay with that, all right? But don't raise your hand and do it. <laughs> Uh, if I'm not listening in the kind of way you wrote it, and said, maybe so, okay. Go tell Sister Cheryl, she'll get me. But it, that way, period, with everybody. Let's, let's not do that. Let's not point fingers at nobody. The old saying is you point one finger, you got three more pointing back. Okay. It's cliche, it's whatever. But let's, we want to do this. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can get my time organized better where. Um, I can have some papers to hand out to you for whatever the subject is. And maybe I can get to the point for the years over, I can hand it out to you this Sunday before. And somebody says, well, that's, that's eliminating the spirit. Is it? No, it's not. Now, again, we may walk in here and I'm say, look, guys, I'm sorry today the Lord said, do this. And that's not going to happen as much because I think this is important that we do what we're doing right here with this. And, and my hope is in the future too much longer we're going to break back down on Thursday nights too we're doing what we did done at the beginning of 2020 but man that was working beautiful and then the COVID hit and and you all guys know the rest of that so with that said is there any questions comments anything on what I've said today go anybody and it, again it may not be today because it's more of an informative thing but if there anything that you feel like is hindering your life and you'd like, to, you'd like for us to try to break it down, write it down, and say, I think this would be a good subject. And if you don't want to put your name on it, don't. And if you're afraid I might know your handwriting, go home and type it out. <laughs> give it to somebody else to give to me. Or if you don't like paper, text it to me, all right? So, but I want us to grow. And I know what this is going to do to me. You're going to challenge me to learn more about something. You're going to challenge me because you're going to bring things to the table that I'm going to be like, Brother White, <laughs> what, what do you got on this? Because <laughs> I promise I do it all the time with him anyway. Not all the time, I do it a lot. but uh, Not only him, but other, other people. So, with all that said, is there, there's, is there anything that I've said today that you might question or just want clarification. And because so here's the thing. If you bring things to me, I know you'll have questions on it because you've got it there. You didn't give it to me. So, what do y'all think? Y'all think this is going to work good? Yeah. Yeah. Think it's going to help us? 
I, and I, I'm hoping it's also going to generate some enthusiasm for some other people. Because what you need to do is go, hey, let me tell you what we're starting at church. And if it's a subject ahead of time, like um, somebody shoots something out that you don't care for people to know, you'd like to learn. Talk about it. Trust. You know somebody's dealing with trust issues. You already know ahead of time. Say, hey, you should come to our life class this Sunday because we're going to talk about trust. Pastor is going to, he's going to talk about it for 15 to 20 minutes. That's my goal, 15 to 20 minutes with scriptures. And then we're going to talk about it. And, and this is why I hope, I hope that some of these subjects we may think we're going to get it done today. Three weeks later, we're still talking about it because it's so deep and so relevant and we're learning so much. Thank you, Sister Janet. I give her credit. Well, she's not the only one. Many of you have talked to me about this too before, but uh, Sister Chassie is always on me about some of this stuff. So. But um, Sister Janet had said something to me and, and I'm like, and I've just been thinking I want to do something that's going to help. And, and as a young man, I used to think, man, I want to preach, I want to preach. And now that I preach all the time, it's like, i got to preach again. And this is something I think it will help us all. So if you have them, you can give them to me. You can text it to me. You don't got to do it right now. I'm just, and it's some sincere subject. And let's, let's go deep with things, okay? Let's, let's go deep. Um, we'll get there. So. Once again, nobody, no comments, suggestions openly. If not, we got papers, and I'm sure they're probably getting about done. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I am excited about what uh, God has. Because here, here's the thing. Um, I, I'm going to turn this off. I'm going to say something else. So I got my recording going. <laughs>